Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Sally. Hi, everybody. My name is Sally. I'm a compulsive reader. I've been to this meeting maybe one time, and I thought I'd know more people. I think I counted five people. So um, I've been in and out of these rooms for 41 years. I was embarrassed to say that for the longest time because... To me, it just seemed appalling that I'd be in and out so many years. Now I embrace that, because without the 41 years, I wouldn't be where I am today in my recovery, which is probably the most awesome place to be. So um, to take you back to the beginning, I, just to give you an idea of where I'm coming from, when I was four years old, my one and only friend was two. And I couldn't relate to anybody four years old. I could only relate to this two-year-old who bossed me around, by the way. So I was in really bad shape. And it didn't get much better than that, actually. So um, she was my friend for a long time. And I haven't seen her in a long time. I've been thinking about her. Maybe I should look her up on Facebook. But like me, she probably has a different name than what I knew her. But if God wants me to have her in my life again... She will be, but I think about her often because it was the beginning of my my friendships, because I, I didn't have many when I was growing up. And um, I don't understand why, but I believe I believed in God in my mom's womb before I was born. And my dad was an alcoholic, schizophrenic, so really there's no logical way for me to believe that I believe in God. God was never mentioned in my household. My dad thought he was God, and he touted it in the streets of New York, telling everybody, oh, I'm God. And uh, we knew he wasn't, but I knew I wasn't either. But I knew I had a power greater than myself, that I would be okay no matter what, and that has been true all my almost 68 years of living. No matter what messes I get into or what happens to me, I always know there's a reason for it. Things are going to get better. And they always have to this day. So um, my childhood was really rough because I didn't understand how to get along with people. I was people-pleasing. If somebody would talk to me, I'd cling to them. Oh, somebody's talking to me. I'll be their friend, maybe, maybe. And I'd cling and cling, and, of course, eventually that, that person would leave because they didn't like the clinginess. And I didn't like to doing, doing that, but I didn't know how to do it differently. Nobody showed me or taught me how. I was just fluttering in the world. My mom was busy with my dad and all his problems, so she really didn't have too much time for me. And my brother's five years old than me, and he was out in the world and doing things that I could only imagine. He had many more friends than I did at any given time of his life. But maybe now I might beat him. But that might be uh, not, not for me to decide or to, or to, to um, talk about. But um, things got a little bit better um, as I got older, but when I was 13, it was awful. I felt I had no, nothing to live for. I didn't have many friends at all. I knew a lot of kids when I went to school, but I never was engaged with them. I, I knew their faces. I knew their names. I, 
I even knew where a lot of these people lived, but I didn't connect with them in any way. So I felt I was really alone, that there was nothing really for me to, to live for. And I felt like I wanted to commit suicide all through my 13th year. But I was, I didn't know what to do. My luck, something would go wrong and I'd be comatose, and that would be a good thing to happen. And I also knew it wasn't the right thing to do. And God said to me, don't do it. It's going to get better. Hang in there. It may take a long time, but I'm going to show you the way, and it's going to be all right. And I didn't do anything, obviously, because I'm here. And I'm glad, because I would have missed that in 50-some-odd years of my life. And um, it was it would have been tra- tragic because I would have missed that a lot. And maybe other people would have been too, hopefully. But anyway, um, my binging was really bad. I probably didn't become a compulsive overeater till my teens. I don't remember eating over- overly badly when I was younger, but a teenage years were really most difficult for me. So I was sneaking food at night when everybody was sleeping and and planned my binges when I knew my parents were going to be away and my brother was going to be out. Out, out on a Saturday night, and um, I didn't have—I wasn't going any, anywhere anyway, so it was easy for me to plan. I could buy my own stuff and have it ready for me, because that—that was my soul. It's like it says in the OA 12 and 12: we hid and we ate. I—that's the only line I, I memorized in the book. I know that line because I lived it for years, many, many years before I came to OA. So. Um, but, but I still believed that it was going to be okay. And um, I joined away when I was 26 on October 2nd, 1975. It was my first husband's birthday. We were married. And um, that date and January 18th, my, uh, 2014, stand up because that's the last time I came back to OA, and I'm not leaving anymore. But in between, I don't even know how many times I've left. I lost count. I, I'm not even in in at the amount of time I was out. I still have many more years to go, but I um, did get a very solid grounding when I came in in October. I, I had a sponsor right away, but she did my inventory because I I didn't even know that people-pleasing was a good was a bad thing. You know, I thought, well, what do you mean it's not a healthy thing? It's not good. And she was citing me 10,000 reasons why, but I still said, no, it's okay. But I was miserable doing it. You see, I knew that there was, it wasn't right, but I didn't know how to not do that. And, and that's how I thought I was making friends, but I really wasn't making so much friends. In my, my 20s, it got better. It did get better as I got older, because I was growing up and I was just exploring the world. I did get married. I got married twice, so I had to learn something somewhere, because <laughs> of God, right? But um, yeah, I didn't even think that was going to happen, because I didn't know if I was going to be relating to people, if I'd be able to get married even so bad. But I did, and um, we um, we separated and divorced um, six years after I got married to him. In, in the 71, I got married to him, and I was a single mother for the first time, and I was, I, I was actually I was out of AOA at that time because the group that I joined, I joined in, in New York when I was first living here. Um, I was born and raised in New York, 
but I, I moved to California in 1975, and I came, I went to a meeting in New York for a very brief period, and then I moved out here. And I found a meeting right away, and the gal who had the meeting at her house sponsored everybody who came. It was maybe seven of us that came. So she was the sponsor of everybody. And she didn't do everybody else's inventory, but she certainly did mine. And, and I learned a lot from her. And then, because of, unfortunately, personalities, the group disbanded. There were a few people, and when you only have seven people and two or three don't get along, it's not going to last very long. And I knew that there were a lot of away meetings around, even in the 70s, but I couldn't find them. <laughs> we didn't, well, we didn't have the internet. Okay, give me a break, you know? <laughs> I thought I was looking, and I, I didn't look very hard. So I stayed out of the program for a good 20 years, actually. And in 1996, or 95 actually, I, I figured, oh, I'd go to ACA. That's, that my roots started there, my dad being an alcoholic, will solve all my, and, and all my problems. <laughs> it didn't do that. And a year later, I came into OA in 96, after being out for like almost 20 years. And I stayed for about six or seven years then, and ACA was a great program. I, I've been in other programs, too, and ACA really helped with my relationship with my father. He passed in 1972, so he's been gone for a long time, and I wrote letters to him, and I got letters back. And you, know, you know how that goes. And it was very, very, very healing, but it did not solve my binging and overeating. And through the years, I noticed my binging wasn't happening as much, but my portions were way too big. And I sneaked food a little bit less, but I was still, I wasn't eating healthily. And I had a lot of junk food in my life still. But it, it did get better, but even without all those meetings that I missed for, for 20 years, things did get slowly better. And I did connect with people better. I had some friends, and I wasn't people-pleasing so much because I knew that was not a good thing. And I was getting more out in the world. I had jobs, and I had jobs for, for a while at that point. And I had a son. I was a single mother um, for a while. I did, did get married again in 86. But um, the, navigating through the world as a single mother and, and having a relationship with my ex-husband, which was a very good... Um, we had a really friendly divorce. It's very amicable. We're still friends today. And I just learned how to navigate through life, I figured. I'd had to pay for my own way and not have to depend on anybody. And I was fairly successful about with that and grateful for that. I grew a lot during those years. And then I met my second husband in 83, and we got married in 86. And that marriage came up with a lot of issues, <laughs> most of them financial, and that led me to the other program, which I'm in for a long time. And, um, but I always believed in God all through it. I know no matter what mess that I got myself into with him and without him, it, it, I landed on my feet every time. So um, I, I didn't really work the steps really the way that I've done it since, when I first came in. My sponsor, because I told you my sponsor, my first sponsor did the steps for me, especially my inventory, and um, she didn't believe in journaling, and I didn't know that I loved journaling. And I found this out through the, through the years that I loved journaling, and I journal every single day. And she would give all the other sponsees a gratitude list to do, but she never gave me a gratitude list. 
So I said to her, why, why aren't you giving me that to do? She says, because you live in gratitude. I don't need to do that for you. So what's happening now, I do a gratitude list every day anyway, and I write why. Because it's, it's, it's really, what happens, I, I do a gratitude list, and it isn't always. It's only been very recent, actually, through my other program. But I write why I'm grateful. And it's more specific, and things are shifting even more for me. Because I'm not just saying, oh, I love my cats. I'm grateful for my cats. I'm saying, my cats let me love them, and I get love from them. And let that kind of thing expand on it. And I, I don't understand what's happening, but there's been a shift, and even more so with that. And I am always, always felt I was a grateful person. I, I'm not... A materialistic person. I drove old cars for most of my life. I, I'm driving a year and a half car now, which uh, because of my recovery and my other program. But I I was happy with little. I, I didn't need much to make me happy, and that's 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 been a gift actually because I know a lot of people that strive for more and they're go getters and they want more money and all that. And that was never my story. But um, I. I came back um, in and out, and then things were better through, through the years. And, and then I, in um, 2014, God said to me, you need to go back in L.A. And I actually had an argument with him, and I did believe in God. Remember, I, I believed in God when I was in my mom's womb. But I'm saying to God, why, my life is it's okay. You know, my marriage is okay, and I'm pretty happy. I was working and getting along with people. I had a lot of more friends than I did before. And he says, don't argue with me. Just get your buns back in the rooms. So January 18th, 2014, I did. And the, for the first time I came back to the rooms, it wasn't because my, my eating was out of control. He wanted me to have fellowship because my husband passed April 2014. So it was about having more people in my life that I can turn to. And so, I, you know, you never know why God brings you to different places and why he wants you to do certain things. But if you listen to that tiny voice, you'll never be wrong. And you, you'll always be in a better place. At least that's been my experience over and over and over again. And um, spirituality has been a very important part of my life, even even the times I haven't been in the program or not going to the rooms. And I uh, always believed in God and always um, gave, gave things to God. If I couldn't handle something, I said, I don't know what to do here. Just you deal with it because it's too much for me. And I do that constantly these days, where before it was like little fleeting moments that I would do that. But my relationship with God basically was I didn't know if he could do for me what I couldn't do for myself. I just knew there was a power greater than me, but I didn't know how to, to relate to it. So I remember when I was maybe 16 or 17, I really needed something. And I said to God, if you do this one thing, I will never ask another thing of you again. And then he gave it to me, and I said, uh-oh, I'm screwed now. So then I had to, I, I, then I, I said, you're going to do that, and I'm not going to ask again, what am I going to do with that information? So I realized, well, he did that thing. It was big. I don't remember what it was, to tell you the truth, but whatever it was, for me to ask him, because I never asked him of anything, I knew that 
well, if he can do that, then he can do a lot of other things. And now I ask for everything. If I'm looking for a parking spot, I ask for, for God to help me. And I get parking spots much more than I ever used to. Just by asking. It works every time. Hint, even in L.A. Even in L.A. Downtown L.A., actually. I had a situation that I had to go downtown L.A., and I hate driving downtown L.A. And I had to go somewhere, and I... I said, I don't even know the area, but I had an idea, and I said, can you get me, a, I'd be willing to walk three or four blocks. I don't have a problem with that. I got a spot right in front of the place I need to go to. So, so it works. It works if you work it. They say that. <laughs> it's very true. So um, I... I always wanted to have a sponsor. I've had sponsors in this program, and I worked the steps when I came back in 2014 through, through the 12 and 12, and now I'm doing the big book, um, for, for a year-long um, big book study. So I always wanted to have sponsors, but I said to myself, what can I give to people? I'm, I'm in this program 40-some-odd years, and who's going to want me as a sponsor? It took, it took 38 years to be, to be abstinent, right? And so that we, a year ago tomorrow, OA had a sponsorship workshop. And what they, they did, they had a panel of three or four people that talked about being a sponsor and how they sponsor. And then people that wanted to have sponsors would go up in the front of the room and talk about what, how they sponsor. And there were like 10 people. And I wanted to be in front of the room, but I was afraid to go in front of the room because, again, I thought, yeah, really, God? And God said to me one more time, get your buns up there. And so I did. I was the last one to share for that minute or whatever we had. And I have three sponsors because of that workshop. So, again, listen to God, because he's never wrong. <laughs> he, know, he knows what we need more than we do, and he also knows what's good for us if we don't. <laughs> so, um, as, um, so the steps have been instrumental. I, um, I, I, I make, I've made amends even before I came to OA. I was always good about that because it's people pleasing too. You see, if I if I'm sorry about everything I do, they'll like me. I'll be okay. So maybe I overdid it before that, but now but now I'm real about my amends, and when I'm wrong, I promptly admit it. So um, I had an altercation with my daughter-in-law. Two grandsons. One is 11 and one is 39. And four years ago, I overstepped boundaries, and I apologized to her. But she wouldn't have any of it. She wouldn't accept my amends. So immediately after I made my, my mistake, I, sent, I wrote a letter and I sent it to her. And my son said, well, it went unnoticed because her mom passed away, just at that time that I was sending the letter to her. And so I didn't see my, my grandsons. Then, uh, not this last year, but the year before, I, I wrote another one. And my son says to me, well, her reaction was she thought you paid somebody to do it, so she's not accepting your apology. So I said, I, 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 I wrote that letter myself, you know. But it, if that's what God brings me to, then I have to accept that. So then that was like a year and a half ago. So now I found out recently that my son is working on having me see my grandsons. You see, I thought that it was playing out this way, that he has his wife on one side, 
who doesn't want me to see the grandkids. He has me on the other side who wants to see the grandkids. And he's stuck in the middle. And that's not a very fun place to be. And I get that. And I've always got that. And my mom's 95, by the way, and he had some emails back and forth um, last year about this. He says, I, I know it's wrong, and I, I, I want to I help her, but I, I, I can't. My, 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 my hands are tied. There's really not much I can do. You know, a happy wife is a happy life kind of thing. He was leaning towards her in that one. And I, and I got that. I got that crystal clear. But I said, no, God, if it's supposed to be my life again, they will be. So I found out by accident that he is working on having me see them by having lunch with, with them on a Saturday or Sunday. They live in Redondo Beach. I live in Santa Monica. We're not talking about miles apart. And, um, and I do see my son for dinner. I've had a relationship all through this. He's accepted. What I did was imp- impacted him, too, and he's accepted my amends right away. And so... Um, I realized, well, he was doing something and I didn't even know it because he didn't want me to know because he didn't want to build my my hopes up in the event that it didn't work out. But he told one of my nieces that he's been working on it for a while. It's taking longer than he thought. This is this is my his, my daughter-in-law. He has to deal with. So you could just imagine she's she's not an easy person. But the fact that he's willing and wanting to and trying to have this happen for me is amazing because I thought it was a dead issue, and that I'd never see my grandkids again, and that I'd have to live with. And if God get, uh, there's a lot of phrases I live by. If God gets you through it, to it, he'll get you through it. And um, that's been a big one for me. And um, when I was out of work for about uh, two years back in 2003, I, I, I had no prospects. I, I applied for all kinds of jobs. Nothing was happening. And I said, you know, God, you didn't bring me all this way to dump me in a well somewhere. You must have something really big up your sleeve that I don't see. And I did. I got a job shortly after that that I stayed at for a few years till I left and went to something better. So... Um, proven over and over again that things happen for a reason. I got stronger when things weren't going my way. I'm able to let go of things faster when things don't go my way. If they're not meant to be, then there's a reason for it. I may not know the reason, and I may never, ever find out what the reason is, but I'm convinced that if I'm going through something, I'm supposed to go through it, I'm going to be learning something from it, I'll be growing, and it takes me to a different plane. So um, when I think about that four-year-old that I was and my, having my friend at two, two years old, my life is nowhere like that now. I have friends that are younger than me, older than me. I relate to all kinds of people. I love going different places with people. I, my life is vibrant. And I never, ever thought it would be this good. I thought it was just going to be, it would be better. I knew it was going to be better. I, I was convinced that no matter what, my life was going to be better. But I didn't think it was going to be this good. And I was crying this morning because I was thinking about leading this meeting. But before I came here, I'm a workshop chair in another program, and I was doing an event for them today. A workshop, and I said, "This is the woman that I'm doing. I'm I'm living this life today, putting on a workshop for some people, and showing my recovery, and then leading this meeting tonight. And this is just huge, and it's such a beautiful thing because I." I'm not afraid of people. I used to be afraid of people. Oh, I'd run the other way. You know, the, 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 the thing about threes and fives, I made the, the crowd, and I was the fifth wheel. I'm, and groups, I'm out the door. I wouldn't even walk in the door. 
that group scared me that much. I wouldn't even go near the door. There's a meeting or a group raising, out. And now I, meetings are a big part of my life. I go to a lot of meetings between OA and, D, and DA is my other program. And I've been in other programs through the years, too. So um, it just blows my mind that, that um, if you're willing to work the program and, and just do what God wants you to do, you can go places you never thought. And it just blows my mind. So I still journal every day, and I write, Dear God. In fact, I write, Dearest, dearest, dearest God. And, and if I had, and I knew that if I want to spend another half hour, I can write, Dearest, dearest, all the way through for 30 minutes. And it wouldn't be enough. And it really wouldn't be enough. Um, because God does for me constantly what I do, cannot, cannot do for myself. Well, didn't think I could. And um, I may miss a day or here during the week for journaling, but I, I pretty much journal a lot. And sometimes I'll even journal. This was oh, this was really a great tool. Somebody uh, told me, talked about this at another meeting years ago, about future writing. Let's say you, and this I did today, actually. When you're faced with a difficult situation, and you're nervous or upset or anxious about it, write as if it happened already. And that was so, so helpful in so many situations, at work situations when something heavy was coming on and I was going to be dealing with the bless you, dealing with something. I wrote as if, oh, everything, I, I wrote like it was perfect, even be, better than perfect. And it may not be perfect, but it'll be better than what it would have been if I didn't write about it. And I think what happens with that process is you're getting your anxiety out on the paper so that by the time you're facing the situation, it's not as tormenting as it would have been without writing it. That's, that's my take on it. Uh, there may be other, other possibilities, but that's worked for me. And I did that today because I was nervous about this thing in the morning. I was nervous in front of you guys. But it's a piece of cake. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> that slipped out there. So um, I, um, my mom's, okay, relationships too. My mom's 95 years old. And when I was growing up, I didn't really have a relationship with her. I, I blew her off, basically. I think she wanted that relationship with me. She claimed she did. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. I thought I'd only make it two ten minutes. <laughs> Miracles do happen. <laughs> so, um, thank you. So, um, I, I blew her off because I just couldn't deal with myself. So, how can I deal with her? And then I, I moved to, to California, and I realized I needed to move to California because my relationship relationships with my family were not that great. I wasn't I needed to separate myself from them so I can be my own person because I was too too I felt that they would control me or manipulate me or grab me, you know, tell me what to do and my mom especially. And not so much my brother, but my mom and I knew that I needed to get the hell out of there. And that was probably the best thing I ever did forty one years ago. Because my relationship with her is just absolutely amazing. She lives in Florida now, and we make jewelry together when I see her. And now I see her twice a year. I was seeing her every year. And maybe there was times that I didn't see her that much because I didn't have the money to go. And now I go twice a year, and we just have the best time. We laugh, and it's, it's just so, so beautiful. And I said, you know, I never thought I'd have this relationship with you ever. She says, you thought so? I, I didn't think so either. And so it, 
it's just a beautiful thing. And my relationship with my brother was never really bad, but it, it, he has a lot of respect for me because I'm paying him back some money that I borrowed years ago. And um, he's a good guy, and he never gave me pressure over it, and he, he's just a wholesome guy. And I'm thrilled that I have my blood family. I, I, I see them that they're not as sick as other people. They're not as sick as they maybe used to be, or maybe I'm healthier, or maybe all of it. Um, they, they're not in program. My, my brother went to therapy for years. My mother went to therapy for years. I actually went into therapy three years ago, and I always thought my 12-step programs were my therapy, but I also was open if the event that something happened in my life that I needed extra help, I'd go. And because of not seeing my grandsons, I needed that extra help. And it's been very, very wonderful. I have the, the best sponsors in the world. I have the best sponsees in the world, and I have the best fellows in the world. Thank you for my share. So with maybe two minutes left, <laughs> questions? Yes. Um, thank you so much for your share. How, you said you believe in, you've always believed in God as a woman. How has your interpretation or definition of God changed over the years? You know, oh, can you please repeat the question? No, no, you Oh, and that's going on tape. How embarrassing. <laughs> Should I leave now or what? <laughs> so he's asking, how, how, how has my interpretation of God changed over the years? So actually, my interpretation has not changed. How I relate to God has changed. When I didn't ask God for anything, but I just believed that everything was going to be okay, that was then. Now, I know things are going to be okay, but I ask God for everything. And that's how, that's, that's, that's changed. I didn't change persona or anything. Same, it's fascinating, because I hear people changing their concept of God all the time. We're not having a God, and then forming a God. I always had God. I just relate differently to him. Yes. You said that you've been in and out of OA, and when you were out and then came back in, how did you transition to being back in? So she's asking, when I, when I was in and out of OA so much, how did I transition back? And that was hard. It's much harder, by the way, in newcomers, to leave and to come back than to stay forever. I'm, I'm finding that out. It was um, it was awkward because I know I knew I knew some people because I was go I was, went back to meetings that I had gone to, and so um, they may not have felt it was awkward, but I felt very awkward, and trying to get back into that frame fellowship. But um, the last time when I came back, I didn't feel quite that way. I I felt I belonged right away, and I said I'm never leaving. Because I knew that God had a, wanted me to come back more than I wanted to. Well, other times I wanted to go back because my food was so bad. We were getting, getting bad, and I needed to be back. But this last time was, was different for me. But it was harder to come back. It's hard to come back. So if you're thinking of leaving, try not to talk to me first. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Thank you so much for your share. Um, I was curious when you said that you can't handle something and you give it to God. What does that look like? 
I, I journal about it, well, I, not even journal. Sometimes I'll say, you know what, this, this person right now is driving me crazy, but I know it's not that person. Could be me. <laughs> take it away. Take, take me away if you have to, but take it away. <clears throat> and when I just release and just say the words, it, it eases. It eases a little bit. I, yeah. Thank you so much for your share. I never hear your whole story. Um, I was wondering how you... Uh, Find balance between working two programs and if you um, are sometimes more influenced than the other, and how sponsorship differs, and how it works in your life. Great question. So she's asking, how do, how do I work two programs with having sponsors and sponsees and, and balance it out? Still, still trying on that. Still trying to do that one. I go to about two or three OA meetings a week. And I go to about two or three in my other program a week. It didn't start that way. I went to one away meeting a week for years and one in my other program for years. But it's not enough anymore. I need that, that connection. Um, sponsorship, I love being a sponsor. I have sponsees in both programs. I have sponsors in both. And um, what, I, what I have people do is text me when, when they need when their availability. And then I will let them know what, what days I can, I'll say that day works. Or they'll ask me my availability. And that works good for me because I'm so busy. I mean, this, that four-year-old that didn't have any life at all, and the teenager that had much, no less of life, is very busy. And I, I get a lot of respect for my sponsors, for my time. And I want to be of service. But I have to be available and, and know. I, I don't like to take calls impromptu because I may not be able to talk and give the attention. So texting helps me and helps them a lot too. Then I can devote the time to them. Yes? Thank you for your share. Very Thank inspiring. Thank you. Inspiring that question. May I take a chance? I can wait until the next meeting if you would that's fine. Sure. Okay. Sure. Um, well, we're a little over nearly two months. Okay. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. I'll give you one. Yeah, come next week. I'll give you one. <laughs> it's very brave. I didn't mean to overstep boundaries for the meeting. Uh, any other questions? Yes. So she's asking what my food plan looks like. I eat three meals a day. I don't restrict. I eat everything in moderation. And that works for me. And I have one snack a day, sometimes two, but most of the time, I, there may be times I don't have any. And I, I eat a lot less meat than I used to. I, I was born and raised on steaks, and, and I, I don't have that much meat. Um, I don't have near as much junk food as I used to. Not saying I don't have any, but I don't have, I don't go through bags and bags of crap that I used to for years. Um, I'll have smaller portions of it. And if, it's, if I find it's a danger zone, I say, get away from me. And I, I, I just, I may even have it and, and put, it down, put it down the drain. So, and I was never able to do that, but I'm able to do that. Do that. When I, I think I can stretch it and I think I can do something and try this, thing, this food again. 
sometimes I can't, and then I say, okay, too much danger, and I just, I can let it go. I can give it to God. And then I get the, the power to throw it down the, the drain or give it to somebody else. But I, I usually, yeah. I can't say I'm perfect with that. I'm not perfect. But I'm more, I'm better at it than I used to be. I could say that. Yes. I was wondering if you've ever had the experience of um, having to, or considering self-stepping someone who's not in your inner circle, like, for example, someone at work. I'm, I'm considering whether I should reach out to someone at work that I have our, our thing, and I'm, I'm just, I'm not sure how to do that, and if you've had that experience and how you do it. It's a good question. She's asking about 12-stepping somebody who's not in the, who's not in the program, like somebody from work. I I can't say I've experienced that um, because it's a it's a program of attraction rather than promotion. But one of my neighbors did go to OA because she knew that I was in, and she saw that I was changing. She didn't stick with it, and she's still struggling with it. But it's not up to me to bring her in. It's up to her. But we talk about God all the time, and I'm very close with her. She's a neighbor and a friend, and she knows my she knows the story that I that I've told. Thank you for letting me share.